That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome. There's a proverb that says, behind every successful man is a great woman. And that rings true for most of the time because women support their men. But I want to flip that around and say, behind every successful woman is herself. And when a woman is successful, and if she's supporting another woman, incredible things can happen. My special guest today is an incredible woman who supports other incredible women. And I'm so proud to call her my friend. Her name is Luann Vermette. She is the owner of Jacked Up Jill Coffee. She is also a guidance counselor, and she's been doing that for probably 20 plus years. She's passionate about her role as a guidance counselor because she gets to support those that need it the most. But she's equally passionate about her role as the owner of a woman's owned coffee company supporting other women in the business. So please help me welcome Luann Vermette. Hi, Luann. Hi, and thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm so pleased that you were finally able to do this interview with me because I know you've been incredibly busy. I mean, it's been a a very busy summer at the uh, St. Norbert's Market, hasn't it? Absolutely, it has. Yeah. So I have to ask you, how did you get into the coffee business? You know, people ask me that all the time, and I wish I had an easy response to it. I always struggle with answering that because it's just, it's evolved in something. I think I have a, a better answer for what's keeping you in it. Okay. I'll do my best to answer that. <laughs> I'll do my best to answer about how I got into it. <laughs> so I've always had like this entrepreneurial spirit. I've always, I've started businesses, not so much to necessarily do it full time in the past. It was more to stave off that creative energy that I had to kind of balance the stressful job that I do during the day. And so I've had a jewelry business and a card making business. I've sold other people's jewelry. My partner, my life partner, Marty and I have built um, and renovated countless homes. And I've been involved in, with the creative process of that. So that entrepreneurial spirit is definitely where it's come from. Mm-hmm. But with coffee, it's, it's always felt really different. It's felt like there's bigger sense than to, to that passion project, I guess, than, than businesses in the past. I think 
about seven years ago, I, I had like a pretty major burnout from work. I had some post-trauma from collateral PTSD from that type of work, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I needed to balance with something just as deep and started thinking about. So the business has been operating for four years, but I guess the planning of it and everything would be five years now. Actually, we're just going to hit a milestone on December 11th is when we had our launch of our business four years ago. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And then, so moving into coffee was sort of like, I've uh, been friends for a number of years with Shaney Wright, who's the owner of Sunstone Coffee. Yes. He's taught me a lot. And I think that Shaney, I don't want to make claims that aren't true, but I, I think Shaney's either the longest or one of the longest uh, standing roasters in, in Winnipeg. He's got, he's a master roaster. You have to be roasting for 20 years to be considered a master roaster. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I've just been friends with him and learned alongside him because he's an encyclopedia of information about <laughs> coffee and origins and, and so on. And then putting my love of supporting others with my love of coffee. And you always talk, you know, I listen to your podcast and how you talk about building those connections with coffee. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Like, that's why I love the market so much because the connection that you have with, I'm not a barista, you know, I'm not a trained barista. I'm a roaster. Or a good cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, and you do. Connect, and connecting with people over coffee is something. So getting back to, you know, I said, I, I know how to answer what's keeping me in coffee. Mm-hmm. And what keeps me in coffee is that easy connection with people and how easy it is to please someone. All you do is hand them a cup of coffee and the looks on their faces of joy and ecstasy and curiosity. And, <laughs> you know, I've seen it on your face many times. Oh, like, yeah. It's so rewarding. It is. And so that's definitely what's keeping me into it anyway. Oh, that's wonderful. And you know, I, I totally agree because it is that, it's that joy. It, it's taking that first sip of coffee and, and feeling it as, it as it fills your body. And it's just that, like you say, that ecstasy almost, that feeling mm-hmm. of, oh my goodness, it's just, this is exactly where I need to be, is drinking yeah. that cup of coffee. Yeah. And that's how you and I met, actually. It was at St. Norbert Market. I like going there on the Saturday. I hadn't remembered seeing you there before. And of course, coffee, I had to stop and say hello. And I think one of your first copies was Cup of Jill. And when I tried it, it was, I thought, oh my goodness, it was so delicious. It was unlike other coffees that I had had. And so I was very intrigued. And then when I got to, you know, speaking with you and talking with you and finding out more about what you're all about, that even intrigued me more because I love the idea of a woman in the coffee business because it's usually run by men, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does it feel being a woman in the coffee business? Well, I like being unique and different. I've always prided myself on just kind of walking my own path and doing things my own way. And I believe I'm the only coffee female coffee roaster in Manitoba and one of very few anyway in Canada. So I like that. I just feel like it sets me apart in that way. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to highlight in the whole pro, in the whole chain of coffee, in the coffee world, where I can. I like to do direct trading with women when I can uh, source out coffee grown by women's collectives, meaning that, and we have a few on our, on our lineup offerings 
where the, so a coffee collective is you have to be able to call yourself. The stakeholders have to be a certain percentage have to be female owned. Okay. And so you know that in developing countries, if you're supporting female producers and farmers, you know that you're supporting families. So that feels good. Yes, it is a good feeling. And I love the fact that you do support women collectives because the idea of a collective that is everyone is equal in terms of responsibility and ownership of the collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think of, um, you had a special coffee. I think it was Scarlet Muse. Was yeah. it a few years ago? Now tell me the story behind that one. Oh, well, you know what? I might let your listeners in on a little known fact that's coming soon about that. But um, we, Jeanette and I traveled to Costa Rica a few years ago, wanting, because we thought we'd found a, a women's collective coffee. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to learn about the front end part of process. Mm-hmm. And bad news is the, the coffee that we went to, or the collective that we went to see, was it like that coffee wasn't quite ready yet for export in the quality. Okay. But we did meet a group of young people who had started a business called Bean Voyage. And you can oh. look them up there on Instagram, Bean Voyage. They're two. Bean, Bean Voyage. I love that. Yeah. I hope I explained this right. But their purpose is to elevate coffee and specifically with female, female producers. Mm-hmm. They do some education and training around, around how to get coffee ready for export. And that just, we, we just absolutely love that. So we stayed in contact. And so back home in Headingley, we um, stayed in contact. And so they had, when the coffees were ready from a few different farms, mm-hmm. they sent us some samples and we were able to taste a coffee from, I forget her full name, but Erica's farm. So it's a Costa Rican coffee from the Terrazoo region. Okay. And that's our Scarlet's Mute. And it's a very delicately roasted, beautiful like floral notes. So we only had one bag and it was gone within like a few weeks. It was crazy. (laughs) That's wonderful. Now, the idea of naming it Scarlet's Muse, I've been intrigued by the names that you give your coffees. So where do the names come from? Where does that creativity come from? Oh my goodness. Naming our coffees is one of the funnest parts of the job. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily related to coffee, but they're like our girls. Each okay. coffee has, they're like our babies, basically, and they mm-hmm. all have a story. And we might put, you know, different emphasis on the coffee that we have for a, a long time because we, we're going to have to live with those names forever. <laughs> That's right. The coffees that come through and maybe we're just more cheeky with those or have more fun with them. But essentially, they all have personalities mm-hmm. and they all have a purpose or there's something behind it with some kind of sort of like a feminist bent to it. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I hesitate to use that word feminist because depending on your generation or your perspective, that word has all kinds of connotations. But for me, having a feminist kind of approach is sort of trying to close the circle and have everybody at the table for a sip of coffee so that we all have that equality. So it's not about excluding anyone. Mm-hmm. It's around helping everybody, like trying to open doors, trying to start conversations around mm-hmm. things we might just do automatically that we don't think of. Like, yes, for example, exactly. one of our dark roasts is Mrs. and Mr. Jill. Mm-hmm. And every, like, four out of five times, people read it and, or will just say, oh, I just love that Mr. and Mrs. Jill. And it's, so it's just a fun conversation around, like, 
well, it is a great coffee, but you want to just have another look at that again, because we don't even think about how our language impacts the choices that we make. And yeah, so that's just for one example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, your first coffee, the the, the cup of Jill, of course, that makes sense because that's part of your name. But I think of uh, Jill of all trades, which of course is Jill. And then you've got your chill Jill, which is your coffee for iced coffee, correct? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that one's just really light and just sort of, it just sounded great. Actually, it's funny. I got, I was getting my hair washed at the salon and there's a guy I was taught, like we both had, me and the guy next door were having our hair washed, we had our heads back and we're just shooting names around and just talking. And he's like, ah, oh, I think he's the one that said something about chill, Jill, do you have one like that? Or, and I'm like, no, but I like it. But, I but ding. <laughs> I don't know his name, so if you, you'll find me later and ask for yep. royal. <laughs> I, I want a cut of that. <laughs> That's too cute. We mentioned the cup of Jill and Jill of all trades. So jacked up Jill. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? I think that's one of the first things that I, when I would have a business hadn't even started and I was just spent some time with Shaney and I was driving with, uh, somewhere with my partner, Marty. And I uh, just blurted it out. You know, if I had started a coffee business, I'd call it Jack the Bill Coffee. <laughs> and so we just started playing around with what that meant and what, you know, how to get, take the analogy kind of mm-hmm. or the metaphor a little further. Yeah. So it's, you know, she's caffeinated, so she's jacked up. So that's the obvious connection. Okay. Yep. But also Jill, it's, people often, people call me Jill all the time, which doesn't bother me, but there is no Jill. Jill is like, the collective of all of us is the, the empowered, well-supported, mm-hmm. authentic woman. Yeah, I love that. In that sense. Okay, yeah, no, that's, uh, I definitely get that. And, and it makes sense because you're a woman-owned business supporting women and making it more, as you say, you know, bringing all the women to the table, everybody, mm-hmm. it's, it's inclusive. And so it makes sense to have that. It is a play on words. I love the way that you infuse that in your other coffees, Glitter Not Bitter. And I think there's one, was it self-made or her-made, self-made? self-made? Well, it was old-made and we crossed out the old and put in the logo, crossed right. out the old and put self-made to reclaim a, like a dirty word, right? Like it used to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Old, yeah. <laughs> have no children and to be unmarried was the worst thing that could end up to, that could yeah. happen. So we claimed it because, I don't know, I think most of my friends are single and fabulous and having a fabulous life. <laughs> So this is sort of, we try not to take things too seriously, but no. it's, it's fun to make that, just have to have conversation starters. And mm-hmm. Bill of All Trades is actually, it's a play on words, but it's also, we're pretty proud of that coffee because that's a women's collective coffee. Oh, wonderful. And it's uh, from Colombia. Mm-hmm. The idea behind that one was to try to help promote women getting into trades okay. because only, only 10% of tradespeople are, are female. And mm. there's a shortage of tradespeople all over the world, yet yeah. it's an untapped resource. Right. And I had no idea it was that low of percentage. COVID happened and things got slowed down and the work that we were kind of hoping to do, but I, it's certainly not, uh, the idea is not gone. One of the projects that we did was to donate some money to the Manitoba Women in Construction, I think is their their title mm-hmm. and they do like a toolkit like a little like a coloring book for for school age kids oh um, really where they can see themselves with tool belts and climbing mm-hmm. ladders and doing things with their hands and yeah just 
kind of because those, I mean, careers are just part of like, if that's in my blood of working with um, students. And so I thought that connection was great. And I'm open to any ideas around that. But mm -hmm. that's what the idea of Jill of all trades is about. Okay, I love that. And I remember reading somewhere that I think it's in grade eight, that girls tend to give up on sort of math and science yeah. and those mm -hmm. kinds of things just because for well, for a variety of reasons, but the fact that where you and others are trying to change that perception that women shouldn't go into those fields or shouldn't go into trades. And so I love yeah, that I you are really passionate I, I about think, that. Yeah. I think women and girls have come a long way. They, they, there's lots of initiatives and things that have happened to close that gap and you know, certainly we could get complacent about that in Canada because so many positive strides have been made. Mm -hmm. But you look around the world and you can see how quickly things can change and how we could regress. So yeah, um, I want to continue that conversation for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. Now I want to ask you about your experience roasting coffee. I've never actually had that experience myself. Walk me through the steps of picking the beans and then doing the roasting and and I'm sure that it's a different roasting process for each of your coffees, isn't it? Yeah. So well, I don't know how far back into the process you want me to take you, but the roasting process itself mm -hmm. is like, it happens pretty quickly. Like a batch never is in the roaster as long as 15 minutes. You drop it much before that. Mm -hmm. So anywhere between say eight and 13 minutes is the time that a, coffee, that a bean would spend in a roaster. Okay. Uh, I mean, every roast, you know, everybody has their way of doing things. So I can only speak for myself, but my mm -hmm. coffees would range anywhere between like, say 390 degrees. And I have a French roast, which is, is the darkest roast. Mm -hmm. I like to say that it, like I basically take it to the gates of hell. And when I can see it is when I drop <laughs> it because it gets, it's just about to burn at that point. It's smoking. <laughs> Some people don't, I mean, it's not a third wave thing to roast coffee that way. No. I really have tried to roast coffee or have a wide range or wide spectrum of roast so that I can kind of find somebody's palate in, mm -hmm. in that range. So from a very light roast to a, to a French roast. So sorry, I'm asking a question. The process is just sort of the machine has to be the, the drum. So I have a ProGat roaster. Mm -hmm. It roasts. The maximum capacity is 25 pounds, but I like to fill it about 80% just to make sure that all the beans are roasted evenly. Okay. Because if you overstuff it, it's just like, I don't know, it's like popcorn or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be burnt, burnt, burnt. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have that in your coffee. No, no. So I like to leave lots of room in the drum and it spins and there's an airflow that mm -hmm. you can control and your heat that you can control. It's a gas okay. machine. Yeah. So you drop it in the hopper. So for me, it's usually about 22 pounds that I drop. It goes in green and it just follows kind of like a, a trajectory of like when you drop beans, you know, the temperature drops significantly because it's right. cool, the cold beans. Of course. And you bring it back. You just bring the temperature back and it goes up to and around 400 degrees or so, depending mm -hmm. on the roast that you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And then... My favorite part of roasting is when it cracks. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, no, I haven't. What is that? So first crack is usually happens at about 360 to 375 degrees, something like that. The moisture releasing out of the bean create, makes like a crack. 
Oh, and it's okay. like pops in the in the drum. So cool. So you know you gotta stay close and watch it at that point because it turns very quickly at that point. Thirty seconds can make a big difference between oh, that's exactly where I wanted it. Took that too far. Yeah, just like popcorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, you drop it into a cooling tray, and it's important that you move the air and that the coffee gets sort of stirred mm-hmm. so that it doesn't keep roasting because it's so hot. It comes out oh, there. Right. Really yeah. And okay. so you just let it kind of cools pretty quickly, and then you do it over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't see it as work. It's more like a labor of love, isn't it? Oh, it's the. Like, you know, at first I was so nervous because like, it's a lot of money you drop into the roaster and it's oh like, my, yeah, like I don't, I've never lost a batch, but it, at first it would make me super nervous. And uh, now it's just really comforting. It's like, especially in the winter because it's mm-hmm. warm, it's just kind of hypnotizing the sound and the repetitive movement and visually and uh, what you hear as well. It's very soothing. It's, it's become my happy place. One of my mm-hmm. happy places. Sure. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, that would be my happy place as well. <laughs> Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first, I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, I have a question for you. I'm sure you're asked this all the time, but when you get beans from different countries, so you have, you know, Colombia, Costa Rica, I believe you also went to Peru, didn't you? Well, we've had Peruvian coffee. Okay. That was going to be our next place before when COVID, when COVID hit. shut us down. Or, I mean, it wasn't in the immediate planning, but the next place that Jeanette wanted to go was Peru. Right. Because I remember you mentioning you were going to go. That's right. And, and because of COVID, you didn't. Yeah. So when you have the beans from different countries and you roast them, so are the beans different? Well, they've got very similar properties. They're from the same family. They're all Arabica beans that that I roast. I mean, there's different, there's Robusta beans that I like the quality of them. So I I stick with specialty coffees. Mm -hmm. My main distributor is from Montreal and he's like a multi-generational family-owned business. Mm -hmm. So they have met with all the farms and have retained, you know, the farms that have sustainable growing practices. Mm-hmm. Regionally, they have, but also altitude can make a difference. You know, Brazilian coffees are known to be a certain way, Costa Rican. So, I mean, that's a lifetime of knowledge that I'm still learning about for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, like, I'm not a green bean. I wouldn't feel super confident to go to a farm and buy a, a whole palette of their beans. I trust other people to do that for me, although I have some training and identifying effects in coffee. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's a whole other profession, buying green beans. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Now, I believe I heard, I think it was, I was talking to Cheney one day and he mentioned that, or you might've mentioned about becoming a master roaster yourself. Mm -hmm. 
So what's that journey I like? <laughs> I'm a baby in the, in the industry, four years. <laughs> I think Shady once told me that nobody takes you seriously until you've been roasting at least five years. Don't talk to me. <laughs> this is a joke, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, very like you. I just, I know enough to know how little I know. But I believe this. I don't know where this comes from, but I believe the standard is to be considered a master roaster that you roast, you've roasted for 20 years. Okay. And the only person that I know like that is Shane. So he might be lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But it sounds like there's that passion. There's that love that comes through every time you talk about your business, your coffees, the process, visiting the farm, supporting the collective, and just everything that's involved in your business. It just, it, it makes me happy to hear you're happy. And I know that everyone who's tried your coffee is probably just as happy with that process. I almost say that I can taste the love in the coffee, you know, because my husband's always saying to me that he can tell when I'm cooking with love, meaning I'm paying extra. <laughs> no, seriously, no, when I'm paying I, extra I, attention I, to whatever it is I'm doing. He says that there's a difference between me doing that and maybe just kind of rushing it. There's that difference. And so I can taste the love that you put in your coffee. I'm so glad because I really try to infuse that in every roast and every interaction that I have. And it's, this is, well, almost five years in the making this business, this shared passion that my partner, Jeanette, who passed now, but the two of us together created this. I don't even know, there's no word to describe the, the feeling that we had developing and growing it. We put all our love into it. And the love that we have for each other as friends. And I think you can taste it. I mean, literally there is positivity coming out of every bag with those inspirations that we put in there. Everything mm -hmm. that we do is like the glitter, not bitter that we bring back every year, which incidentally has, is always from a different region. Mm. But the name is always the same, glitter, yeah. not bitter. And it's around bread, like it's about breading the best part of yourself to others. And I mean, that's all we can do with the time that we have, right? Right. You know, and it's sharing the love. So what you're doing with your coffee is you're sharing the love. And when I think about glitter, I mean, what 40-year-old, what 60-year-old doesn't love glitter? Yeah. You know, the more glitter, the, the better. And so the idea that you're thinking about something glitter, so it's happy versus bitter, which can be not so good, right? So you've got that happiness already. And I love that idea. Now, Although to a footnote, there is no glitter, like, because we've been asked, is there glitter in here? No, there's nothing added <laughs> extra. It's just the spirit that it was infused with. So no sprinkling of special <laughs> magic dust or... <laughs> well, maybe magic dust, but <laughs> no additives if you're... No, pure. no, of course not. So now you refer to your coffees as your girls. And I love the idea that it's like your children... Whenever someone asks a parent, so which one is your favorite? And of course you say, well, they're all my favorites. I don't have a favorite, but <laughs> tell me, do you have a favorite? People ask us all the time. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's different for Jeanette. It was, I think we both have an affinity to Velvet Hammer. Oh, we didn't talk about that. No, we didn't. Yeah. That's, that's a special one to my heart. So I think we had an affinity to Velvet Hammer, both of us. And then her second favorite was the Light Rose Glow Getter, which mm -hmm. we didn't talk about either, but that one's no. Guatemalan coffee. 
Mm-hmm. And then, but you know what? I find coffee does a lot about our personalities, what we reach for. Like it's just an extension of who we are. Some people just like the same and they, there's comfort and always the same familiar taste in their cup. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what mm-hmm. they like. Me personally, I need variety in my life, in my jewelry, <laughs> in my coffees, in my, you know, habits. I like to, to change it up. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm drinking Velvet Hammer in this moment, but on some days, if I'm going to put cream in my coffee, I'll go for the French roast because I like the rich smokiness with, mm. with the cream. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm going to drink it black, I much prefer a medium roast to a light roast. Cup of Jill is one of my favorites too. But you know what? I like variety. So every day it depends. Depends on my mood. Yeah. No, and I get that because I'm the same way. I mean, I have my coffees that I like, but sometimes I'll switch it up. I'll find a coffee and or I'll taste it and go, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll buy it on the spot just because yeah. I love the taste. And there's like those that like the everyday coffee, like your standard medicinal kind of cup. Mm-hmm. And then the time that you wouldn't want to drink every day, but for an afternoon when you have time oh, yeah. back with a book, you might have something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something it's, it's almost like a, a special occasion coffee in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're trying to do with Jack of Jill coffee. And I don't, I'm assuming other local roasters are, well, I can't speak for others, but for me, I want people to bring that slow, the process of making coffee at home back. Mm-hmm. And not just for the selfish purpose that, yes, you'll be buying more local coffee if you do that. <laughs> you know, and there's a place for that drive through wait in line 20 minutes to get your coffee, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But why save it for the Saturday kind of cup of coffee? For like less than a dollar a cup, you can have a beautiful, fresh, beautiful experience every day. And it doesn't, know. you know, you don't need the fancy equipment. An AeroPress is like one of my favorite ways to make coffee. It's like $40 or something. Mm-hmm. And quick cleanup, why not have that? Like it, And it really doesn't take much longer than pressing a button, to be honest. No, and, and you know what? And I have an AeroPress, but to be honest, I haven't actually used it yet just because I've just been so busy. But one of my favorite ways of making coffee, I mean, I still make coffee in my coffee pot because I grab a quick cup in the morning and then my husband, of course, likes to have that. But when I want to enjoy the experience, I do a pour over. And so I don't have a Chemex, but I have the pour over. I have the filter. I have a gooseneck kettle. And I have, yes, I know. (laughs) So I boil like coffee. I have actually a hand grinder as well. So I go through the whole process. And then it takes time because it. It I think from start to finish, it's probably about five minutes before I Mm -hmm. actually get that cup of coffee. But while I'm doing it, I'm in that almost meditative state where I've slowed down, I'm paying attention to everything that I'm doing. And I almost want to say, because I'm doing all of that, that cup of coffee actually tastes better than if I just had a brewed pot of coffee. Yes. Yeah, because you're present. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I hear from your, like we have some, a lot of similar, I've heard on your podcast that you do some meditation and yoga and so do I and whatever you put into your practice try to come back to yourself and because it's a crazy busy world we live in and so coffee is it forces you to stop and so maybe that's where my wish for people to have more time to have those even if it's just five minutes 
Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't have that five minutes. And if we don't, maybe we're too busy. And you know what? And that's what I'm all about. I mean, I'm all about connecting over coffee. I'm all about supporting local roasters, local coffee shop owners. The whole idea is I want people to know that Manitoba has so many rich and diverse cultures, uh, coffee culture and coffee roasters, and so many coffee shops and cafes. It's just where I'm amazed at just how much there is to explore in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. And I just want people to really want to, you know, step outside their comfort zone, go outside that everyday coffee, try something local, try something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one last question for you. It's one that I've, I've been thinking about, and it's the whole idea of your French roast. Now, that's one I haven't tried because I had a bad experience with some French roast, and it just turned me off. And so the idea of actually drinking it is one coffee that I have not tried of yours. Okay. And so what makes your French roast different than, a, say, a Starbucks French roast or any other French roast? Well, you know, a French roast is kind of the same, but completely different to a light roast in the sense that they're both very end of the spectrum mm-hmm. of the roast. And so the more in the middle you are, the more people will, you'll be able to find here your palate in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. The extremes are not for everyone. Right. But I, I can't keep it on the shelf. It's, mm. It does really well for us. I'm not sure how it would be different, but I can take a, a guess and say that it's really important that a French roast be done with very good quality coffee in small batches. Mm-hmm. Because when you do a French roast with in large, large drums, like the big commercial ones that people mm-hmm. would use, not to name any you know, not to call out any big companies or whatever. It's the same idea that we were talking about earlier, that if you, if it's not roasted perfectly, each bean at the same temperature, you'll get the burnt beans and you'll get the under, well, mostly it'll be burnt bean. Mm -hmm. And then when you grind that together, you get this bitter aftertaste that lingers and really puts you off coffee. Is that the experience that you have? That's the experience I had. Yeah. Yeah, and it just like burns a hole in you because it like it just stays with you, especially if you have an empty stomach, it just stays there. Yeah. And so I've been told, so you have to test it yourself if ever you want to. I'll have next time at the market. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely gonna try a cup of that. Okay. Um, I've been told that our if I evaluate it myself, I don't have that lingering unpleasant taste after. Mm-hmm. Some people will say though. Oh, I could drink it even darker than that. And I just don't go darker than that. I'm I'm assuming some people might like to have that lingering taste. I'm not really sure. I guess everybody's Um, different. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's the best answer I can give you as with the knowledge that I have now. I think. Well, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does make sense to do it in small batches. I mean, I love Starbucks, but I imagine that they do it in bigger batches. And so maybe that's where it comes from. So, yeah, I'll definitely have to try it. Now, the name of your oh, coffee, though. I know you're coming. I'll bring. A, I'll just bring a small bag so that you can grind it yourself. But, oh. oh, here's another thing. Okay. I don't think that French roast would do well in a pour-over because it just would, like, I think it would bring out the, neg- the bitter properties, I think. So would I do it in an AeroPress then? 
brewed brewed coffee. I think I would do it in your brewed coffee. Okay, I'll try that. But it doesn't over doesn't over extract, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's how I would try it. Okay, I'll try that. Now, the name of your French roast, though, is it Dame de Pique? Dame de Pique, yeah. Where did that come from? Dame de Pique is French for Queen of Spade. Oh, okay. So she's our queen, our dark queen, right? Right. She's our darkest roast. And also, it's a nod to my French culture. I'm French. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk, speak about connections through coffee, when I was younger, I didn't drink coffee, but the way that I don't know if they still do not, but I mean, French people in, in Manitoba, they would get together on Sundays after church or whatever, and they, or they get like what they would do for get togethers is play cards. It's like what we did. <laughs> so I guess it's like all those things combined, I guess. The, the connection that we have with coffee and not to my French culture mm-hmm. and that she's our darkest coffee. Oh, wonderful. And I love that there's a story. There's a story behind every one of your coffees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jeanette was the storyteller. She was like a screenwriter. Well, she did so many things, but she did like screenwriting. Oh, okay. Wrote plays and all kinds of things. And so the, if you go on our the highlights of our Instagram, stories of all our coffee are there. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a story. <laughs> and it was <laughs> I mean, all the ideas was... Like results of the brainstorming that we did, like mm-hmm. incessantly, the two of us, but the, the stories were written by her. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you mentioned that people should drink coffee, specialty coffee every day and not just save it for special occasions. How can they get coffee? I know that you are, you've started a subscription service. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Well, we, Currently, what we offer is a, is a three-month subscription, it's just going for three months, like from December to February, mm-hmm. because we're tr- still trying to sort out how we can do that and manage it, because we used to have a subscription mm-hmm. that just got out of hand. <laughs> we couldn't manage <laughs> it. just grew too fast, so we had to sadly shut it down. Aww. We're doing three months, and we have, like, you kind of can buy in between now and December 15th for the next, for the three months, and then we'll see after that where that goes. But you can get our coffee. We have um, we deliver for free with a sixty dollar order anywhere in, in Winnipeg. Oh, good. We're at the St. Norbert Market, and on the and on our website jacktabjill.com, dot com, mm-hmm. find all the stores where that uh, carry us. Yes, that's right. Because there's a number of stores. Uh, actually, there's quite a few in in Manitoba that carry your coffee. I want to uh, mention though, because with Christmas coming, of course, that you have a four pack of coffees that people could purchase for a possible gift, either mm. for themselves or someone else. Yeah, it's a six pack now. It grew. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> okay. I yeah, love that. Almost our whole collection of coffee in there. It's a six pack. And then we only take it out for this time of year and around Mother's Day, actually. And that mm. frame is when we bring it out. And this mm-hmm. one has the glitter not bitter in there as well. Oh, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's lovely. Well, thank you so much, Luann, for speaking with me today and telling me and telling my listeners all about your Jacked Up Jill business, girls, and just your love for coffee. I appreciate the opportunity to share our our story and talk about coffee with you. I appreciate, I'm really enjoying your podcast. It's been on my list of things to do. And I just in the past month started listening to it. 
I'm like almost caught up to your episode. <laughs> I really enjoy that your guests and have to go try some of the coffees. Uh, like you had a guest in Saskatchewan. I want to, I'd like to go meet with them and talk with them. Oh Terry. my goodness, Terry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Terry. Yeah. I really he, enjoyed that interview. He's, yeah. You know what? And he's so knowledgeable about coffee. It was such a pleasure listening to him. But then I get that from you as well because you're knowledgeable about what you're putting into your business. And, and I think that's what, that's what I really enjoy about speaking to the different roasters because Al from Harrison's and Jay from Colossimo's, each of you are bringing something different to the table. And what I love about that is because then you can try something different and still enjoy it because it's still coffee. It's still local. It's still made with love. And it's something that I, I think is so special. And so we're, we, coffee lovers, are so fortunate mm. to have such a richness of coffee in our province. It's a good time to be a coffee drinker. <laughs> Absolutely. It sure is. <laughs> so thank you so much, Luann. Thank you. So until next time, don't save the coffee for a special occasion. Make every day a special occasion. And try different methods, AeroPress, pour-over, French press, or espresso. And take that time to really enjoy your coffee and enjoy yourself. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.